It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, uh, welcome to uh, uh, an episode of Locked On Raptors. I think it's 462. Who gives a damn? I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You know all the intro stuff I would typically read in this situation. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff to the Locked On Podcast Network and its many shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. None of that matters today. The Raptors... Decided to drop a big bomb on everyone's heads at about 2 o'clock this afternoon. And went and traded for Mark Gasol. And here with me to break it all down is uh, Josh Howe from Raptors Republic. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. That was the best ambulance and or police siren and or fire truck alarm I've heard in a long time. <laughs> well, I do live uh, in East Hamilton, so, you know, I, I get a lot of the... Uh, I, I learned just a lot of inspiration to draw from. Uh, that's not fair. Hamilton's dope uh, and very safe. Come live here. It's cheap. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Marcus All, not exactly cheap. He came at a price for sure, and we're going to get to the emotional toll of the deal as well. I guess we should lay out the terms in case anyone hasn't heard what's happened. The Raptors have traded Jonas Valanciunas, CJ Miles, DeLon Wright, and a second round pick in 2022. I believe, or 2024. They traded both of those picks today. We'll get to the second trade in a little bit. It doesn't really matter. But uh, for Memphis Grizzlies center, Marcus Saul, three-time All-Star, uh, one- or two-time Defensive Player of the Year, a general guy who has done a lot of very good and mean things to the Raptors in the past, and, of course, one of the heart and soul members of the Grit and Grind teams, which I uh, truly, deeply adored. And uh, I'm... <laughs> There's a lot to sort through with this deal. The Raptors are down to 10 players because they also sent Greg Monroe out to the Nets along with a second-round pick for cash considerations. I don't really understand that trade, but uh, it's happened, and the Raptors have 10 players on the roster. I guess they will have, like, seven or eight guys tonight, plus, like, Chris Boucher and Jordan Lloyd, who might very well be in for full NBA contracts very soon here. Uh, but, Josh, what was your initial reaction to the trade? Do you like it? Are you mad? Are you furious? Are you overjoyed? Like, what is your mindset right now? Um, a lot of feelings. Uh, that is going to be the theme of this one. Holy shit, the feelings. <laughs> yeah, a lot of feelings. One of the first things I thought about was this Raptors team, this exact Raptors team that we've seen this season, It man, it, it didn't really get a lot of run together, did it? Nope. Um, Everybody was hurt like at different times, and we just didn't really end up seeing this team pull together. It was one of the things I was actually excited about in the game against Atlanta tonight was getting to see the roster kind of fully back and healthy again. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, my first reaction was not really positive. I don't know. I mean, I, at this point in their respective careers, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Marcus Sol's that much better than Jonas Valanciunas um, in terms of not just in a vacuum, which I think is arguable as well, but I think also mm-hmm. in terms of fit on the team. Okay. Um, obviously, Gasol is uh, has uh, 
other assets to his offensive game that Valanciunas doesn't. I mean, he's a much better passer. Um, you know, the Raptors uh, are going to have to learn to cut more, I guess, because <laughs> he does a lot of that stuff where he stands at like the top of the key and he um, can make plays from there. Um, so that kind of stuff could be fun and interesting and, you know, maybe take off some of the burden of Kyle Lowry. And there, there's good stuff there. Uh, it's more like the defensive end where I was concerned about him. His numbers have really fallen off there. Even watching him sometimes, he looks like he's just struggling out, out there a bit, um, lumbering a little, as it were. So, I, again, I don't know. Some of that definitely is uh, the situation at hand. I mean, you know, the guys like that, if he's um, in a situation that he isn't enjoying, doesn't like, then, you know, he, he probably just isn't as trying as hard. And, uh, you know, the effort might be better coming to Toronto in a place where he knows that he has a chance to win and and stuff like that. So um, that definitely is something to keep an eye on. But uh, I mean, there's also a chance that you know, like the guy just turned 34 years old. Like he might just be getting older and he's on the decline. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I think that's a real legitimate concern. Um, but again, it's one of these things you have to say we'll see. But I think there's some concerns about this. I don't think it's like a home run trade at all. Uh, so yeah, what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a home run. I think there's definitely some very real risk associated with it and some interesting fit concerns that we can get to as well. Uh, but I still think it's an upgrade. I, I think Gasol is just sort of a little bit better at a lot of things that, uh, like, just like a lot of things across the board than Jonas. I think the one thing Jonas is definitely better at is as like, is like a finisher, like around the basket on the roll. Yeah. He's definitely way more refined there than Gasol, but pretty much everything else... I would kind of lean Gasol either by a little bit or by a lot. I mean, Gasol shooting 34% from three this season on 4.2 attempts. He shot 34% last year, 39 the year before. Uh, and that's, you know, 2016-17 is kind of the year where he kind of amped up the uh, the shooting side of things and sort of became a stretch five. Um, and I just think, like, 34, maybe that seems uninspiring or whatever. But I, I think Jonas's three-point shooting while fun and amazing whenever he launched them, was always just more kind of a gimmick to me than anything. Like, teams weren't worried about Jonas shooting threes. Teams were happy to let him do it. There was a reason he was able to pump fake seven times before launching every three. It's because no one was closing out on him because that's a shot people were willing to live with. And it just never really turned into a weapon that I think the Raptors could really sort of use in the regular flow of a game outside of just like the odd sort of like, oh, fluky possession where it comes to him at the top of the key when he's trailing. Um, so from that perspective, I think Gasol is better. I think Gasol is a better passer. You know, there's not many big men in history that Gasol is not a better passer than. I mean, that's kind of the thing he brings to this thing that I'm really excited by. You know, we get, we've get we gotten concerned about sort of the bogged down nature of the Raptors offense. And, you know, admittedly, going back to the DMs, uh, Jacob Mack from Raptors HQ made a good point. Like, yeah, th- he's a great passer. And if it translates and they're able to incorporate it into the offense in short order, then hell yeah, that's an upgrade. But there's no guarantee that's going to be able to happen because they only have 27 games. Plus, I would say whatever first round opponent they play because who cares about Charlotte or Detroit or whatever team gets the seven and eight seeds. Uh, I think those that'll be a pretty easy walk series for this Raptors team. I mean, knock on wood, because it's a first-round series in the Raptors. But uh, I think it's safe to say that they've moved past being worried about first-round opponents at this point. So there's going to be some time, but not a lot. And if they can't get Gasol up to speed, the only real place in which you're getting a, a real benefit from his improved passing is as a role man and as sort of the guy making the decisions in four-on-three situations if Kawhi or Kyle receive extra defensive attention. And even if that's the only upgrade you get, I still think that's a nice upgrade to have because... Like, think of so many times in the past in the Raptors' playoff history where they would have just these insane, awful, 
just possessions where it would come to Jonas or Serge Ibaka or someone like that, and they would just not have any wherewithal to make that play to move the offense along, and then things would break down, and there would be turnovers or bad shots, and it was a disaster. They got better at that, like, and Serge is better than that, and Jonas got significantly better at that stuff, but Gasol, there's just no question with him, and you know he's going to make a good play out of it, not just the easy or, or simple play. He's going to make a smart, maybe even like a brilliant play out of that, and turn that four-on-three into a real advantage. So I think that's a nice upgrade to have, too. Defensively, yeah, his numbers are down, and Jonas, people have cited that he's one of the leaders in rim protection uh, numbers this season in terms of field goal percentage allowed at the rim. I think, as with both Gasol and Jonas, like, their numbers this season in particular, I think, are very much tied to the context in which they were accrued. You know, Jonas has been playing, for the most part, much like Serge Ibaka, who we'll get to in a little bit and how this all affects him, but, you know, Jonas has been playing against opponents against whom he is able to destroy. Like, this has been the entire sort of thing that Nick Nurse has strived for, is to have Jonas and Ibaka only playing in situations that optimize their skills and strengths, and so they're not being beaten up by a a poor matchup, and there's just never a bad matchup when the Raptors centers around the court earlier this year uh, before Jonas got hurt. And Gasol on the other side, like like you said, playing for Memphis, playing for you know Jamie Bickerstaff. If we we had Keith Parrish from uh, Fast Break Breakfast on last week, and he talked extensively about how bad a coach Jamie Bickerstaff is, and just how he has no ideas, he doesn't have any sort of intuition as to how to implement the team. And that roster outside of Gasol, Jaron Jackson, and Mike Conley is barren and a wasteland. And Bruno Caboclo-y, like he's playing real minutes. He's playing crunch time minutes for them right now. I just think the context within which like Gasol has been playing this year is not really conducive to personal success. And yeah, I wonder if sort of the fallout with Dave Fisdale last year, whatever his role was that in that. And like, yeah, like that's that's concerning as well. Uh, if he's sort of a, a bit of a coach killer or whatever you want to call it, like maybe that's a concern, especially coming in if he's asked to take on fewer minutes or whatever it is with the Raptors. Like these are all concerns. I just think the improvements that are going to be brought to the Raptors by this deal, sort of consolidating the rotation as well. You get rid of some of the questions about C.J. Miles and DeLon Wright's roles. Uh, You just kind of consolidate that. You open up some roster spots for some potentially interesting buyout candidates as well. I think this is a smart move, a smart calculated risk. It, you know, and it could blow up. It could not work, and they'll be sitting there with uh, a little bit less than the less in the shed, although not that much because Jonas only had one year beyond this year, and it's a similar situation with Gasol, where I would imagine both are probably going to opt in. Maybe Gasol opts out. I don't really know, but I do think it's a nice little win win now push to, and without giving up either OG or Pascal, who were sort of the white whales that I think most GMs were after in a Raptors trade, like. I think it makes sense, and I think Gasol is going to fit pretty well. Um, I guess let's talk about the fit, Josh, because this is not going to be super easy, or maybe it is. I've kind of talked myself into it being a lot easier than maybe we've made it out to be, but um, like, how do you think the big man triumvirate now of Gasol, Ibaka, Siakam should work in terms of who starts, who plays the most minutes, who plays with who? Like, How do you envision that all playing out? How would you like to see it play out? Um... Well, it's interesting. So, I mean, uh, you could go back to the more traditional type of lineup that, um, you know, would have Gasol and uh, Ibaka starting. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I mean, from what we've seen from Nurse this season, that doesn't seem likely, uh, I'd imagine. And now with Monroe moving as well, um, which I'm still a little confused about that deal. Mm-hmm. Um it would, it would seem unlikely that he would want to have both starting unless he, you know, wants to have um, Ibaka in there for just a few minutes and then 
and then pull him out and bring him back with the bench. And in that case, you'd have Siakam coming off the bench, which uh, could be useful or not. That's another thing, too. I mean, with DeLon going out in this deal, um, you know, that's another impact on the bench as well. And uh, we've already had concerns about playmaking with the bench. Um, like, at this point, Nurse really can't have a full bench lineups out there. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he needs to have Siakam or Kawhi or Lowry out there. Like, absolutely needs to, to have the extra playmaking. Um, or it's going to be even more brutal than usual. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I would expect, uh, just just from assuming, I would I would expect that, expect that um, Gasol is going to start and uh, Ibaka will come off the bench. Um, but I think the nurse is going to continue to play it matchup wise. I, I think he might have to have a, a talk with Gasol about it. I mean, mm. I don't know where Gasol's at in terms of like um, being being okay with potentially coming off the bench in some games. We know that Abaka is because he's been doing it. So, um, yeah, I think that's the way it's probably going to work. I think um, you, I mean, I, I think it's, it's okay either way, honestly, uh, to have Siakam starting or coming off the bench. But like, I, I do think he's uh, really shown out in a starting role and I think he likes being a starter and stuff like that. So um, it might take some ego management there on nurses part and, um, well, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I imagine it's going to be Gasol starting and Ibaka more off the bench and going by matchups like Nurse seems to like to do. And mm-hmm. um, I, I would, I would just guess that Siakam also stays a starter, but uh, there's going to be a lot of staggering going on. Yeah, I think that's good too because I think because the team was so deep and had so many guys that you could argue deserved minutes. Like I think it almost made it a little bit too tricky for Nurse, and it, it, he was almost too prone to just like throwing everyone out there and giving five guys off the bench a shot and just seeing what worked and, and I think consolidating the rotation again I think kind of makes sense and like don't let's not understate the importance of Norman Powell's development this season and kind of his you know re-emergence back to being alive and good and useful uh without that I don't think CJ or DeLon become expendable but I think the way Norm's played kind of made it so that was something you could part with and I think Norm's going to be a really useful part of that second unit and I think in terms of the, 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 the big men, I think it it doesn't have to be that complex. If people are talking about, like, oh, Gasol and Ibaka don't fit together. Like, yeah, sure, they don't fit together. I don't think they're going to play together particularly often because I think Nick Nurse knows and has seen all season long that Ibaka is better at center too. So just because he has Marcus Gasol now doesn't mean he's going to go, all right, Ibaka, back to power forward for you um, because there's a whole season's worth or on three quarters of a season's worth of sample of saying, hey, Ibaka should not be playing uh, at center at power forward anymore he's a center and he's very good at it uh, I also think coming into the year Ibaka was slated to play off the bench I think a lot more than maybe he has obviously Jonas getting hurt changes that but like it was he was starting I guess two of every three games I suppose but uh, like I, I think Ibaka coming into the year and I think both him and Jonas bought into the idea like yeah if you're coming off the bench it's not because of anything sort of insidious it's because Nurse is trying to maximize what you're playing against and therefore maximizing your ability to put up good numbers, right? And so I think that's going to be the selling you know, point that he sells to uh, Gasol as well. If there is any sort of massaging, maybe Gasol does have to come off the bench. Maybe there's a playoff matchup where Gasol off the bench makes more sense, um, say, against, I don't know, like the... I don't even know if there is a team where that really makes that, but maybe against like Brooke Lopez. But like even then, the, the, the Lopez and Gasol are kind of like the Spider-Man meme at this point, except uh, Marc Gasol's a bit of a better passer. So I, I just, 
I think it doesn't have to be that tricky. You start Gasol, you have the starting five of Lowry, Green, Kawhi, Siakam, and Gasol. And when you say it like that, that sounds fucking dope to me. That's a really good lineup <laughs> with a lot of defensive potential and not much in the way of holes and a lot of playmaking. Uh, you know, everyone in that lineup outside of, I guess, Green is a good passer. Uh, and everyone in that lineup can, aside from Siakam, is a reliable shooter or something close to it. And Siakam's working at it, and he's been pretty good from the corners this year. I just think that's a very nice lineup to throw out that kind of rivals most starting lineups across the league. Um, and then if you have Ibaka come off the bench, maybe that forces Nurse to just go to the thing that we've always wanted, which is more Kyle with the bench, because it always works no matter what. And if you want to keep Kyle tethered to Ibaka, which I think is a good idea, considering so much of Ibaka's success has come with Lowry on the court this season, I think that is uh, is really important as well. I also think we're kind of maybe overstating a little bit the importance of Ibaka playing with 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 Lowry. I mean, Lowry missed like a whole month, and Ibaka was still pretty damn good in that time and put up numbers, maybe a little bit less efficient. But I don't think him and Fred are like this sort of poisonous matchup that doesn't work at all, or, or pairing that doesn't work at all. I think they can work at least a little bit, I guess, especially against second units, right? It's not They're not playing starters. They're playing second units in, in the most likely scenario now. So I, I think a block off the bench is just what makes the most sense. And I do think... All three of the pairings of the of the bigs, like we kind of know they're going to work, right? Like we know Abaka Siakam works. We know uh, that Gasol and Siakam, or at least we, it looks like it should work. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to see it particularly often, but I think Abaka Gasol is better than say Abaka Valanciunas because of Gasol's passing and because both of those guys can pop, and it's just a bit more varied in terms of skill set. Uh, and they're both like better defenders than 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 you know, at least a little, bit, a little bit more mobile at least. So I, I think. It's not like it's not a bad problem to have to have too many good bigs with different skills that kind of uh, fit together a little bit, you know, differently. It's just a matter of massaging the egos, I suppose. But I think Nurse has already shown this season that he's capable of that. Uh, and I guess it, it'll be tested if he's able to do it with Gasol after doing it with Jonas, who we had a relationship obviously for five years before this season and taking over as head coach. But uh, I think it's doable, and ultimately, I think we'll see the second unit mostly be something like. Uh, Fred, you know, Lowry swapping in, Fred kind of going in to finish the first quarter with the starters, and then we'll see Lowry play with Norm and OG and, uh, God, who else do they have? <laughs> Whoever they said, Wayne Ellington, perhaps? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Am I missing um, somebody? Or, or, or he'll play with Fred. What am I saying? Like, you can just play with Fred and Norm, and then you throw out OG at the four next to the Ibaka, and I think that's a fine second unit. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. The, the Raptors have uh, four open spots right now, so yeah, that's uh, that's partly why. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, no, I, I I totally I agree with what you're saying there. Um, I I think the main thing is you you just don't want to have like if you move Tabaka back to the starting uh, four spot, he's essentially doing what he's doing last season, right? Which is just like floating around the perimeter and waiting to spot up, uh, which is not what you want Tabaka doing at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially this season when his shot hasn't really been there from. Um, three-point range so yeah you definitely don't want him there and, and yeah he he's been um he's been pretty consistent even with the second bench with the bench unit um like ben, van vliet's been a little better like in the past like month or so yeah of, of finding him in the pick and roll pick and pop um because he's just like learning off of lowry and and uh figuring out you know this is how this guy wants the ball and he's been better with that too so that's going to help it out so i'm not worried about that so much i think i think bach is going to be fine uh if he came off the bench more as a bench center The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And also, the be- the starting lineup with Ibaka at center has been bad for two months. Like, negative 7.5 net rating, bad. So, yeah. maybe it's time, like, Ibaka's been great. I, I, I There's no disparaging Ibaka's season, but... Nurse had an interesting comment a couple weeks or a couple games ago, I guess it was. Maybe it was the game. Uh, it was against the Bucks, I think, where they had that bench unit that was in there that played pretty well. It got them to within six a couple times. And then Nurse said something like, yeah, sometimes you ride it a little bit too long. And maybe we did that a little bit with that lineup. And you want to maybe get it out of there before, uh, you know, things sort of turn. And I wonder if maybe that's sort of a full season uh, approach you can take to Serge Ibaka. He's been awesome. He's been significantly better than I think anyone would have thought he was going to be coming into the season. I thought he was going to be just like a dead piece of car- carcass on the team, right? He was so bad in the playoffs. I had no hope for Ibaka. And like, I don't think he's going to fall off to last year's levels. I think the, the infrastructure is kind of set up for him to succeed, especially if he's playing with Lowry. Um, but, you know, maybe the tail off is going to come at some point here, especially after all the load he's taken uh, with, with Jonas out of the lineup. And, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to just sort of move it back to the role that I think a lot of people coming into the year expected he would assume. I know I did. I thought it was going to be an inverse of what we saw. I thought Jonas was going to play like 28 minutes a game, and I thought Ibaka was going to be the bench big who came in and played 20, 18 to 20. So um, it is going to be different for sure, but I think it kind of maybe makes a lot more sense as a puzzle piece sort of thing. If you kind of look at the full season picture, what the ex- expectations were coming in, and sort of how the last couple months have gone with Serge Center, like it seems almost too obvious to move, just move him, have him come off the bench, and then figure it out from there. And, and again, Lowry with the bench, baby, call. Let's do it more. Come on, let's let's have more of that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Abaka, um It's one of the things. Like, I think he is just playing too many minutes. Like in uh, in the time that you know JV's been down, and I think most of us kind of saw that coming that he was going to wear out a little bit mm-hmm. uh, play, playing more especially with watching him last year and seeing him like you know coming off of games where he got rest as opposed to the you know back-to-backs and stuff where he looked like he was 50 years old um but like even statistically like the raptors prior to jv going down they were uh, seventh in the league at defensive rating and uh since then they've been 16 mm-hmm. so it's it's a big drop so like even something like that like just bringing in a guy like uh, you know uh, just getting what if we'd had JV back tonight or whatever just having somebody there as well will just help uh, Ibaka's case I think too he just needs to um, take a step back and not, not have to play as many minutes and, and the grind will be easier on him so in that case you know that's something that Gasol uh, coming to the team will help with as well yeah like I mean there's all this concern about sort of shaking up the formula but maybe the formula kind of needed a shake up and maybe the red flags were there the last couple months and um, you know, it, it, maybe this is kind of exactly what they need to sort of change things around. Uh, let's get into sort of the bigger picture, uh, sort of long-term projection-y stuff that comes from this trade. This is obviously a very much win-now, like, go-for-it-this-season type of move. Uh, uh, Gasol is a player option for next year for like 24, 25 million bucks. Uh, yeah. So and, and I have no idea whether he's going to take that or not, whether he wants to try to cash out one more time with some maybe a smaller hit, but uh, for some more years of security or, or what he's going to do. Obviously, we know the Kawhi thing. 
And, like, I don't know how much this deal will sway Kawhi. I do think it's not a bad thing to show a guy, like, hey, we're willing to make bold moves to go and win the thing. Like, I think that's probably, in the net, a pretty good thing. Are you concerned about, like, does this, like... It doesn't really derail them at all in the future is the thing. I think, you know, Gasol and Lowry and uh, Ibaka all kind of line up perfectly, right? If Gasol sticks around... Like you can move those guys this summer, and maybe Gasol won't move, won't stick around if Kawhi leaves, and maybe that's just you, that's just space you open up if he leaves. But um, you know, I think the timeline works pretty well. They didn't give up Siakam or OG. They only gave up the first round pick for Kawhi, and they didn't go give up you know first rounders down the road. Like, does this concern you at all about the trajectory of the team, or uh, are you very much okay with the minor trade offs for the sort of more perceived uh, vision of going all in for it this year? No. Um... That, that part is actually the part that concerns me the least. Like you said, he kind of fits the timeline. Even if he opts in for next year for 25, like it's not that big a deal because right after that, he's going to be a free agent. So mm-hmm. um, not that concerned about it. It puts away the concern about um, having to deal with the lawn rights, it restricted free agency um, come the summer where, uh, you know, you would have had to deal with Kawhi and then you would have to see, you know, what team is going to offer DeLon, uh, potentially a big offer sheet and if you want to match it and all that stuff. Um, as a team that's going to be paying luxury tax this year. So that was going to be a concern. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, he matches the timeline. Um, you know, you, you trade off uh, Valanciunas and, and Wright and, and Miles, and who are all on the same sort of similar timeline. And I mean, uh, JV, is just it was just for less money, but he was on the same sort of deal, basically, exactly, as a player yeah. option for next year. I mean, I, I do think Gasol is going to opt in because I don't think the market for bigs is going to be that great this summer. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things you wait and see. But honestly, like, that, that part doesn't concern me at all, no. Yeah, uh, I think I'm with you there. Uh, before we get to the guys going out, let's talk to, about some guys who might potentially be coming in. We have no idea. There are a million guys being bought out. Ennis Cantor is being bought out today by the Knicks. Wes Matthews as well. Apparently he's going to sign with the Pacers, which... Honestly, kind of a win. I'm down for that. Uh, he might make a 4-5 series between them and a Celtics or Sixers a little more tricky. Uh, but ultimately, I'm just glad he's not on like the Bucks or the Sixers. That's good for the Raptors, I think, uh, in the aggregate, uh, even if he's not signing with the Raptors themselves. Is there anyone in the buyout market that like you would like to see? Let's assume Chris Boucher gets one of the four remaining spots before the fourteen man, because uh, I don't think they're going fifteen. Uh, I think you know the, I, the Monroe thing. I don't understand. I'm guessing it's some sort of tax thing um, where yeah. like they don't have to like buy him out, and thus they're saving money by just giving up the second round pick and saving tax. But like, um, uh, so that that's fine. But uh, you know, Boucher, I'm assuming gets one of those spots. Maybe Jordan Lloyd gets another. Is there anyone else that you're kind of have your your circling as buyout guys that you're hoping the Raptors can pick up here? Yeah, I think it's got to be Wayne Ellington, right? Yeah. He's a he's a Wes Matthews type, um, maybe a little less of the defense, um, but he's got the shooting. And obviously, that's something that the Raptors have struggled with this year is just having a shooter. I would think of him as like basically a CJ Miles replacement if the if the Raptors are able to land him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, Raptors fans know very well what uh, Wayne Ellington can do is killed killed the Raptors a couple times on Miami um so yeah I, I think he'd be the number one target um after that yeah there's a there's a lot of guys on the buyout market a lot of surprising names kind of like Zach Randolph's gonna be on the buyout market <laughs> like you mentioned and he's Cantor like a bunch of guys yeah yeah but I think I think Ellington's like 
the, the first guy, the guy they'll chase at the, at the start anyway. Yeah, I don't know if I would prioritize a guy like Ellington. I mean, I would like to see Ellington. That'd be great if they could get him. Um, sure. I don't really know how many wing minutes are going to be available, but I do wonder if maybe there's a, like a... I think a backup point guard is probably the guy I'm looking at. Like a third point guard, you know what I mean? Like a Shelvin Mack is out there, I think. I think he got uh, released today by the Hawks. Um, maybe Jeremy Lin gets bought out. That'd be like my number one choice, I think, Jeremy Lin. Uh, okay. You know, I think he'd be a perfect fit. I think, you know, it's hard to find like a point guard that matters, right? Like, where's Anthony Carter when you need him? Where's Derek Martin? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down for any one of those guys. But uh, like, I think just having some insurance in case Lowry goes out with any sort of more back ailment issue or Fred kind of struggles. I mean, both of those guys kind of have wonky backs, so that makes me worry a little bit in terms of insurance. But um, maybe you just get Point Pascal in that situation, and we're all happy and uh, and tickety boo. But um, is yeah, <laughs> like what do you what are your thoughts on like a big man? Do like, you think they're set with the, the three guys they have, and then Boucher, or would you like another guy to sort of throw in another dude in the mix? Like what what's your thinking there? Um, yeah, I mean the front court is where they're thinnest still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Boucher probably will get converted uh, to a full contract. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I like Boucher uh, a lot. He's he's one of those guys that's so interesting because he's too good for the uh, the G League level, um, but he's still got some stuff at the NBA level, like defensively, that um, kind of keep him, you know, as a third stringer. Hmm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a good chance he gets converted. I mean, there's some there's some interesting big big uh, names. I mean, some a name that a lot of people seem to be throwing around is Marquise Morris, um, who got bought out or is being bought out, I can't remember which at the moment, but, um, yeah, and the Markeith thing is, uh, uh, I feel really, uh, really weird about it, because he was on those Wizards teams, and, uh, yeah, just a tough guy for maybe Raptors fans to root for, but at the same time, his game is, uh, is interesting, for sure. hmm Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. The, the bio market is... I don't know. Things will happen. I'm sure there'll be like random dudes who get bought out and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, like guys we haven't even envisioned yet. So uh, we will see what comes of that. Uh, the buyout market guys, I don't think will ultimately really matter that much. Like I think probably if you're looking at what the nine man rotation is going to be, unless something crazy happens, I think it's probably already on the team if that makes sense. But um, you know, people know me. I'm skeptical about buyout guys. Congratulations on the, the Sixers last year getting the only two good buyout guys ever. <laughs> like, I just don't think that's going to replicate itself, but it could. We'll see. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, Before we wrap here, we should probably talk about the guys leaving. Um, I'm probably going to do a more extensive podcast on this, but... Uh, Jonas Valanciunas was the longest serving Raptor it is now Kyle Lowry which I think is fitting number one above all else I'm glad the Raptors didn't do something dumb and trade Kyle Lowry because that would have sucked ass and uh, I would have 
enjoyed every single success this team might have had with someone else playing point guard a little bit less because Kyle Lowry wasn't there. Um, I firmly believe that, that I would, like, just have they won the title, I'd just be like, yeah, yeah, but Kyle wasn't there, so do I really care? I don't know. Obviously, it would change in the moment, but I think uh, Kyle was kind of the one untouchable in my heart, at least. Jonas would have been close because, like, he's been around forever, and he's a lovely guy. He's been looking so good on the sidelines the last couple weeks. It's, he's become the apple of everyone's eye. Uh, and it's it's hard to see him go. Do you have any uh, thoughts on the departure of Jonas? Do you have any memories of Jonas? It's uh, it's a tough one to say goodbye to, man. Yeah, he's been around for so long. It just feels like he's a staple of Raptors basketball now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think of a Raptors big man, you kind of think of Jonas Valanciunas. There's not too many that necessarily that you think of before him by this point, right? I mean, there's a few, obviously, like Chris Bosh and then um, you know, some of the other more uh, likable ones or infamous ones like Bargnani or whatever. Uh, but Valanciunas is right up there. Um, he's a guy that consistently upped his game in the playoffs, um, which was exciting every year. Um, he's, he's always so amped anytime he does anything. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, gets, gets an and one play and he screams and roars, makes for some of the best sports photos from the Raptors game. Um, uh, it's just, you know, a player that worked really hard and, and continued to get better. And he, he's been really great this year. And um, I, it, one of the most divisive players for Raptors fans. Um, I'm almost going to uh, miss like the JV hive versus the world thing, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I yeah. won't at all, but you know, I'm sure <laughs> in its absence, there will be some sort of longing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, one of those guys that uh, is almost like a, uh, like a debate fodder, right? And when you're at the uh, barber shop or something, and uh, you talk about is, does the coach use him right, and yeah. and all the, all those storylines about Dwayne Casey not wanting to play not wanting to play him in the fourth quarter, and and all of this stuff, and um, uh, how Nurse was using him mostly as mostly as a backup this year, and and all that stuff, and uh, you know how personable he was, and mm-hmm. he's willing to do whatever to uh, you know help the team win, and um, yeah, man, he's a super lovable guy. Um, uh, for some reason, itty bitty ballers is sticking out in my head. I mean, <laughs> everything, uh, yeah, is uh, definitely one of the. Uh, you know, he should be a fan favorite. I think Jonas Valanciunas is. You know, he was nothing but professional um, in his time at the Raptors. There was that like one moment. You know, he's like a kid, but he had the DUI moment. But whatever. Yeah, right before um, the playoffs, right, or like after Game One or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasaga, uh-huh. baby. Yeah, Wasaga, yeah. <laughs> It's not funny. Uh, Don't drink uh, and drive, kids. Uh, <laughs> it's very bad. But yeah, yes. he was. But, he was yeah. I mean, he still is a child. He's so young. <laughs> yeah, he's like twenty five, twenty six now. Twenty six. Yeah. yeah well, I can't say it because he's older than I am. But still. <laughs> Fair um, enough. I, uh, yeah, man, I love I love that guy. Um, definitely a, a fan favorite uh, leaving Toronto. So he'll be missed for sure. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been as mad as a Raptors fan as I was when the Raptors took Jonas Valanciunas ahead of Brandon Knight. <laughs> I was real fucking mad, uh, and obviously that was stupid, but uh. <laughs> um, Brandon Knight just got traded to the Cavs, which is the death knell of all death knells right now. Um, should pour one out for Wade Baldwin and Nick Stauskas. The, the poor, they, should have oh, a pod- yeah. they need a podcast gonna- together. Do you know? Have you been keeping track? How many times has Stavskis been traded now? Is it like four times? Oh, in total? Uh, yeah. Well, there total. was the Sixers weird salary dump thing from the Kings. There was 
Uh, I think he just got cut by the Sixers, if I'm not mistaken. And then he signed with like the Nets, maybe. And then signed. Yeah. I, did he get traded to Portland? And then he got traded to the Cavs, and then traded to Houston, and then traded to the Pacers, and then he got cut. So <laughs> it's rough. Maybe he's one of the buyout guys. That'd yeah, be, kind of, be, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. If there is one thing that the deal has definitely sapped the Raptors of, it's likability. Like, they're still terribly likable because, like, Kyle, I love him with all my heart, and you've got Pascal, and there's lots of likable... Danny Green, very likable team still. I think Marcus Saw will endear himself at some point. I think there's maybe some bad reputation stuff with the coach uh, relationships going on in, uh, in, in Memphis. But, hey, maybe Dave Fisdell is kind of uh, a lot to be around. It seems to have kind of transferred to uh, his dealings with guys in New York as well. So maybe it's not all Gasol there. Maybe that's some, that is on Fisdale as, as well in part. But um, Valanciunas was terribly likable, man. Like he, like probably the funniest guy on the team, the very dry sense of humor, the uh, very funny signs he would hold up behind guys having milestone nights. Uh, the, the just like the loud guttural yells he would release just like in the background of other guys' media scrums sometimes. Uh, the Borat impressions, of course. How could anyone forget? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I, just, I remember like the sort of the mythology that was kind of around him when he had the year where he stayed in Europe, and then we all just saw the video and stuff from his Lithuania time. And it was like, oh man, we're getting Joachim Noah, baby. And then he was not Joachim Noah at all because they made him like bulk up to this like chunker. But uh, he made it work. And credit to Jonas for being one of the few sort of relicky old big man who kind of made his way and survived the, the changes right like he very easily could have been Roy Hibbert but he adapted his game he became more of a role man than he was a poster upper by the end and it's not like he's dead he's going to Memphis where he's probably going to average like 25 and 11 because the, <laughs> the, the Grizzlies have nothing but uh like I think he really sort of adapted himself to be a not a modern player per se but someone who could survive in the modern NBA and he deserves a lot of credit for that and, yeah, just uh, nothing but good stuff to say about Jonas. As much as, like, I derided him at times, and, yeah, there were times where I was certainly uh, very much out on Jonas, and I don't think that was an insane thing to to be at the time. You know, his defense was really, really laughably bad at times. He got played off the court a lot of the, a lot of the time. But if he got the right matchup, man, poor DeAndre Jordan, poor Andre Drummond, poor uh, Hassan Whiteside in the playoffs before th- those two both got hurt and ruined the only good thing about that series – uh, you know, there, there was a lot of really good stuff with Jonas as well. I'll never, never forget the dunk he had on Boban in the game uh, season opener in 2015-16, I believe it was. Um, that was great when he, or it might have been 16-17, but he dunked on Boban. Boban bit on the pump fake, got yammed on. Um, do you have a favorite Jonas game? Um, in particular, um, I'd, I'd have to think about it. The, the thing that's sticking out of my head right now is the, just the last time he was healthy and Toronto played the Sixers and he yeah. was kicking at Beat's butt. Yeah. Like, this is arguably the best center in the league in Joel Embiid, and Valanciunas just came out and just took it to him, like, over and over. It was it was awesome. It was so cool. Um, it, it's those kind of moments, you know, where he, he's he's a guy that he doesn't back down. He, he, you know, gets his game up a notch when he has to go against guys like that, and he takes those kind of matchups personally. And um, that was always one of my favorite things about him, was that he, he has that competitive fire to that degree where he's like, oh, okay, you're the best center in the league? Well, not tonight. And um, that was, you know, that's mm. that's just a moment that I'm never going to forget that moment for sure. <laughs> He's better than Drummond, uh, per Masai. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about that. Um, <laughs> another one of my favorite games, 
And better than Embiid, by the way, on that note that you mentioned. Uh, just, like, constantly a foil for Embiid that I hope the Raptors aren't going to terribly miss. Although, you know, Marcus Gasol, pretty damn good post defender, so um, I think they'll be okay there. But, yeah, better than Drummond. Uh, what other I mean, that whole playoff run before he got hurt against Miami in Game 3, he was outstanding. I remember the 19 rebounds. He had the 11 offensive boards in Game 1 against Indiana. They lost that one, but then he came back out at 23-15 and 15 in Game 2 of that series. And then I think my favorite Jonas game ever was Game 1 against the Heat. Yes, they lost that game, but he was the reason they were... Yeah close in that game like that was a horrible Lowry game Lowry's like only moment of not sucking was the half court heave and Jonas carried them into overtime and then through the overtime as well he might have been the only Raptor to score in the overtime if I'm not mistaken like he was insane um so even though they lost that one probably one of my favorites and then the one where he got hurt man that's just it sucks it was a bummer where he got hurt in game three against Miami at 16 and 12 and 22 minutes and he goes down, the ankle kind of buckles on him, and then the Raptors obviously make it. And I don't think him missing the playoff, the rest of the playoffs or you know, up until the last two games of the Cleveland series really mattered all that much uh, in the sort of grand scheme of things because he wasn't really a Cleveland matchup type player. But uh, it, it sucked to see him go out when he was kind of having his, his moment, right? And it will, uh, you know, I'll always remember that. Jonas was great. CJ Miles, sad to see him leave. Uh, sad to see Lauren Miles leave. Sad to see the, uh, the the CJ's PJ's ads go. He just released the onesie line and it's gone now. It's uh, it's, it's tricky. It's difficult, but yeah, uh, very good. CJ, yeah. yeah, one of the best locker room guys by far. Absolutely, Smiley, great. Yeah, him and Jonas, two of the best media guys on the team. So that's going to be a loss as well, especially with Demar going and Jakob Pertl too. Uh, lots of good guys to talk to or have left the locker room. Hopefully some guys come in and replace that. I know Marcus Gasol is usually a pretty good guy to talk to as well, so that's good. Um, and then give us standout CJ moment. Mine is when he hit the three over John Wall in the playoffs last year. I think it was game two. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I can't really think of one. But <laughs> uh, maybe yeah. it was the relief to know that he was not Damari Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Definitely. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I have. Um. I don't know if I have like a specific specific moment. But there were like you know there were a few games, multiple games, especially around like, um, early last season when he was just starting the team. And there was like a couple of games where he just came out and hit like four or five threes. Yeah. And, and you know like those once he'd hit like two or three and he would come down and he kind of heat check himself and I, I always love the way he's um. He's always so fluid. He's like he's at his best when he's moving into the shots and like continuously moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just thought that was always so aesthetically pleasing, so gorgeous the way he uh, you know would float around the arc and then he'd see something developing and he just kind of slip right into the uh, spot he needed to be in uh, as the ball's coming and he catches it on the move and then rises and fires and you know it's good already because he's hit two or three shots mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I just I always thought those moments uh, with him were really just like kind of basketball purity in terms of uh, shooters and um, that that kind of stuff. I thought was always really cool. Yes, the smile will also be missed, as will the uh, the quick fire threes with CJ and then Delon. This one also kind of hurts, although I think it kind of helps the Raptors get out of a, a bit of a sticky situation this summer because I don't think Delon had kind of. <sighs> I don't want to say he didn't warrant it, but he hadn't really played himself into a 
you know, a, a handsome contract going forward. I think it was probably going to get a little ugly, restricted free agency perhaps, you know, qualifying offer um, with with Wright this summer. So I think this probably gets them out of having to make a tough decision that they didn't want to make. And But, you know, he also brought much joy. It's kind of a bummer. We never really got to see a full... I mean, last year, I guess, was the closest thing to it when he was so great with the bench. But even then, he missed a lot of time with the shoulder injury. Like, the injuries are always kind of a problem with him, but... One of the most fun players I can remember watching with the Raptors. Like, just in terms of, like, the stuff he could do. It's like him. It's like Terrence Ross dunks, DeLon Wright Euro steps, and just sort of, you know, weird finishes around the basket. Maybe, like, Jamario Moon dunks sometimes. Like, very short list of guys who could, you know, make a highlight on a single play, like, like kind of out of nothing. So, I'm going to miss that about DeLon. Do you have a specific DeLon memory or game that stands out to you? Um, yeah, it's gotta be Delon versus Kelly Oubre. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that so much. The block at the end of uh, at the end of Game Six. Yes. Oh man, just so it was one of the best feel good moments of that playoff run. Were you it, it on? Felt- were you on the Drunk Party podcast I did after Game Six? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you were, and yeah. I think we reveled in that Delon Blanc on Kelly Poubre quite a bit. It was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> He was great in the playoffs last year, man. He game was. one against the Wizards, the the game one win, the, which was the, the elusive game one win. He had 18 points, four assists, three steals on seven of ten, hit three of four threes. Um, he had the 18-point game in game five against the Wizards. Like, he was great. Um, not so great against the Cavs, but no one was really all that great against the Cavs except for OG or Kyle. So um, mm-hmm. what are you supposed to do about that? But, yeah, DeLon... We'll always, uh, it sucks. The gang of Utes is broken up now. This sucks. Yeah. R.I.P. Bench Mob. Yeah. The, the Bench Mob is entirely gone. Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, well, that, I just got sad. I also got sad earlier thinking that Jonas isn't going to be there for Damar's return game a couple weeks from now. Oh, yeah. And, uh, a little, not going to lie, welled up a little bit at that thought. It sucks. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a bummer. I hadn't thought about that until just now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, and Jonas, Jonas will get a really good reception when he's back, I'm sure. Or, like, half the arena will cheer and the other half will boo or something. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I put Jonas coming into this year, and I don't think it's changed. I think it's probably stayed stagnant. I put him number six on the all-time Raptors list. Like, he did a lot for a long time, was very consistent, maybe didn't have the room to blossom, but maybe didn't earn the room to blossom with his defense. I don't know, but um, Jonas Valanciunas will be missed. Marcus Gasol, very excited for him. I think this is going to be good. I'm talking myself more and more into it. I, at the time, I was very scared about the return, but they didn't even give up a first-round pick for it. I think that's a nice win, uh, and I think he is going to fit in super nicely. Just think of a, like I said, that, that Kyle, Green, Kawhi, Siakam, Gasol starting five is uh, pretty goddamn bonkers, especially when you have Serge Ibaka coming off the bench and OG and Norm. It's... Uh, and Fred, it's still a really, really good team, if a little bit thinner and in need of some uh, help on the bench. But uh, that's going to do it. I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. I certainly did. It was kind of a wild-ass day. But um, sorry we didn't do a tribute to Greg Monroe. He was fine. He had nice eyes. Uh, we did a good podcast <laughs> about him in the summer, myself, Katie, and James. Uh, that is my favorite memory of Greg Monroe because the on-court stuff was bad. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, of course, keep you covered on all of the goings-on with the signings that I'm sure are to come in the coming days. Josh, do you have anything you want to plug right now? Um, yeah, you can find me at Raptors Republic. Um, I am 
tonight, hopefully, don't quote me on this, but I'm, I'm bringing back the Writer's Right podcast for oh, yeah. uh, my own uh, Marcus Gasol episode, uh, sort of an emergency pod. We'll see if it's if I'm able to keep it consistent from, from there, but the Writer's Right podcast is coming back. Um, uh, Anthony Doyle is going to be coming on for that, so uh, it should be a good one. And uh, yeah, other than that, you can just follow me on Twitter at Howvolution. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, we will talk to you next time with hopefully a less uh, ambulance siren necessary uh, podcast <laughs> in coming days. But uh, we'll talk about the Hawks game tomorrow. We'll, if any signings happen between now and then, we'll fill you in. And uh, we'll probably have someone on to talk more about the feelings aspect of all of this. Because this is kind of, it's not as ghoulish as the DeMar trade. But, but it does kind of sap a little bit of the love and joy that this team has had for a little while. And it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's confusing emotionally if a good trade on the surface. Anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.